0: Welcome. My name is Michael Ascetta. I'm the founder of Matador Canine Brilliance and author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. You're listening to the Acknowledged Dogs podcast. Bringing a new dog home is absolutely terrifying if you've never done it before. Now, I'm going to talk about two different versions today. Number one, you're bringing a dog home for the first time, the absolute first time you've never had a dog before. And the second is going to be bringing a dog home into a house with a new dog. Okay, I'm probably going to do another episode more about how to have your older dog or your current dog interact with your new dog. So I'm not going to talk about that too much today, although I will tackle it a little bit later on in the episode. I'm going to talk about what I would do if I were to bring a new puppy home today or an older dog home today. I'm going to walk you through all of the thought process of it and what you need to look out for. And then I'm going to actually walk through it with you as if I had the dog. So stay tuned for that. But I want to talk about what would happen if you were going to bring a dog home, things you should look out for, things you should consider, and the three main things you have to really dial in before you bring that dog home. Now, when I first brought my first dog home, I was 16 years old. I had asked my parents for two years, hey, I want to get a dog, I want to get a dog, I want to get a dog. Is it okay study, learn, Like you you have to prove that you can handle a dog and that you'll take care of it. And I said, okay, I could do that. And so I spent two years doing everything I possibly could, reading books, watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts, although they weren't that big at the time, doing everything I possibly could. Trying to show them I knew what I was doing. They said, okay, fine. Two years go by, I finally get a dog. 16 years old at the time. We get notice, hey, you gotta, you know, if you can come pick her up tonight before seven o'clock, that'd be great. That's when the shelter kind of closed for the night. So we said, okay, we'll, go, we'll come right over. First thing we did, we went to PetSmart, Petco, one of those pet stores. We got a giant crate, giant crate. We didn't know really how big of a crate we should get. That wasn't in my research. <laughs> and so uh, we got this giant crate. We put it in the back of the car. We have to put all the seats down in the car. I end up sitting in the back and We go and we pick up the dog. I sit like practically in the crate with her because I knew she was going to be nervous and terrified, and so I wanted to be with her. She was a skittish dog. Her name is Breezy. She's nine years old now. She's a Black Lab Pointer, and she had only been in that shelter for 10 days. She was from Tennessee. She was in the shelter for 10 days. We found her. We were able to take her home. Now, what's interesting is when we brought her into the house, I had this list in my head. I was like, okay, based off everything I know— This is what we're going to do. And it did not occur to me that everyone else might have their own list, their own agenda. Now, my parents had said, hey, you know, this is your dog. Anything happens, this is you. Like It's all on you. You want us to do something, it's on you. You got to take her out. You got to feed her. You got to, you know, schedule vet appointments. You got to do all this stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm on it. However, whenever you bring a dog into the house... Whether you have a plan or not, things are going to go ast- like astray. Okay, they're, they're going to go all over the place. And that's exactly what happened. Everyone had their own agenda of what to do with the dog. And I wanted to do a certain thing. I wanted everything done a certain way. And because I was the youngest, barely anybody listened to me. That's just the product of the environment that we were in. It. I'm not upset about it. I'm not angry about it. The dog turned out fantastic. And we were able to work through a lot of those problems. This is very different from when I brought my second dog home. And when I brought my second dog home, I was in an apartment off campus. That's where I was bringing him to. They were not being introduced together. They got introduced much later on. But I was bringing Hawk home. Now, Hawk was rehomed from another owner when he was four years old. I was was taking him when he was four years old. They had previous issues with the dog they couldn't handle. And they were looking for somebody to take him that was going to give him a good quality of life do activities with him, training with him. He loved being outside. He wanted to play fetch, all of this fun stuff. And I was like, I'm the perfect person for that. I'm a professional dog trainer. I love doing those things. He's going to have a great life. And at the time, although I was young, they were like, okay, you know, if you can take care of him, here you go. Now it's different between Breezy and Hawk. Breezy at the time was nine months old. She had the very typical young dog problems, right? Doesn't really know about the crate, Uh, doesn't have many manners, doesn't walk on leash nice. Hawk was very different. He walked fairly well on leash. He was rarely ever on leash because they would go hiking and stuff, but he walked nicely on leash. He understood the crate. He understood how to focus and pay attention, and he loved playing fetch. So we already had some things going for us. When the owner gave him to me, he gave me the crate. He gave me the food. He said, you know, this dog only eats this food. We've tried for years. He doesn't eat any other food. This is the food he eats. So they gave me a bag of that. They gave me his crate. We put him in the crate and I set up what I'm going to talk about later in the house, how we need to set things up. And I went to go open up the crate. This is after the owner had left. And he starts snapping and snarling at me. This is very different from what I experienced with Breezy. Breezy had loving and, and kindness in her eyes when we met. Hawk, although had met me and played with me a bunch of times, was now in a new situation, an older dog much more confident and sure of himself. And when he was confronted by a new person saying, hey, you're going to come live with me. I'm going to open up your crate and you don't know me. He growled at me. He snapped at me. took me about three hours to get him out of the crate the first day. We eventually gave, we got rid of that crate that he was in because that continued to be a trigger. If he went in that crate and you went to open up the gate, he would snap and snarl at you. I believe the crate was just too small. There's a lot of things that, that go into that. That's a whole story. But essentially, I had completely different interactions with bringing a dog home. Brazy was nice and sweet and calm, and we had to worry about building up her confidence and teaching her the basic fundamentals. And Hawk, now I had an aggressive issue that I had to work through, and we eventually did. So there's three things that you need to consider when you're bringing a new dog home or you're bringing a dog into your home where you already have other dogs. Number one is going to be management. What did I set up when I brought Breezy home? Well, I had the crate set up. I had their their place set up where they were going to live. Right, It was going to be in the living room. We had to slowly introduce the rest of the house to the dog. It wasn't going to be able to go upstairs or downstairs. We had to test even, can the dog walk upstairs? had no problem going upstairs. Okay, cool. It's been exposed to stairs because it's a younger dog. I don't know what it's been exposed to. We had a fence outside. I had to get a long leash. We had to have plenty of treats. We had to have different food to see, okay, what? We don't know her, uh, if she's allergic to anything. We don't know if she'll develop a rash. We don't know any of those things. So we need to figure out a lot more because she's young and we don't know any of her history. But when we brought her home, there was management in place. Now, I did not do this next part. Management-wise means, is everybody on the same page? Are we all together on this? We all have to be together. That's also included in management. Think about upper-level management. They want to oversee everything. You are the boss. You are the leader. If you have family and friends involved, you have to oversee everything. You got to be upper-level management. Every tiny little thing has to be controlled. Every tiny little thing has to be managed. When I brought Hawk home, first thing that we did, we set up his space. We set up where he was going to be. I did very, very similar to the first dog. Okay, we're going to set everything up. And then I got the food schedule ready. Okay, he eats from this time to this time. This is normal for him. If I need to change it, I'll slowly change it to what I want to do because I don't want to stress him out too much. I also had to understand he's an older dog, so he has a routine. He has things he's accustomed to. So I need to know what that is and slowly transition it into my lifestyle. And then I was confronted with the aggression. Okay, now I have to learn how to manage the aggression. Is he crate trained? Does he know how to wear a muzzle? He didn't. So we had to teach him how to wear a muzzle just in case because I didn't know what was going to happen. I wanted to be prepared 100% of the way. I know he loves cheese. I got that information from the previous owner. So now I can use cheese to train him. All of that kind of background history, as much as you can get, will give you information that sets up the training for success. So that's the first one. you got to manage everything. I mean everything. Tiny little details. The things that you don't think are going to be important are definitely going to be important. So the more information you can get, the more planning you can do, the better it's going to be. Number two is your game plan. Why did you get a dog? Why do you want a dog? What do you want to be able to do with your dog? What do you want to be able to do on the weekends? What do you want to be able to do daily? What do you want your dog to do when you're doing other things? All of this plays into it. When I got my first dog, Breezy, I wanted a companion. I wanted a dog to lay with. I wanted a dog to hang out with. She had a good temperament when we saw her in the shelter. She had a little bit of energy, but other than that, she was fairly relaxed. She was loving, and that's what she does now. She runs around the backyard, plays a little bit. With toys, very, very rarely will she play with toys. She'll kind of thrash them around and then stop. She doesn't play fetch. She'll just lounge around all day. Right? She does bark at some things. But other than that, she's a relaxed dog. That is not the same reason I got Hawk. Hawk is excited. He loves the ball. He wants to do stuff. He wants to be outside. He wants to engage with you as long as it's playing. He's not a cuddly dog. He will not sit on the couch and cuddle you. That is not Hawk. And so I got both of those dogs for completely different reasons. When I was younger, I wanted a dog as a companion. I still want Hawk as a companion as I got older, but I wanted to do more with him. I wanted to go on adventures with him. So what is your game plan? What do you want to be able to do? I knew at a younger age I'd be in school and at work constantly. So when I brought Breezy home, she needed to be relaxed while I was at school and at work. Otherwise, my parents would kick the dog out. When I got older, my profession became dog training. I needed a dog that was willing to work all day. Demonstrations, agility, all of that stuff. So that was my game plan. Okay, I'm going to teach Breezy how to be relaxed and calm as best as I possibly can at the time with the information I had. And with Hawk, I'm going to train him to be exuberant, excited, to do certain things. That's the game plan. What is your game plan? I want my dog to be relaxed. Okay. First, you should get a dog that is already relaxed, has a certain temperament, but then your focus is going to be more on relaxed training. If you want a dog to do competition, you want him to do agility, then your focus is going to be more on excitement training, building motivation and speed, right? All of the stuff we've talked about on other episodes of the podcast. And then the third thing you need to consider is what is your backup plan? What is your backup plan? When you get a dog, there are times where things do not work out. They just don't. Okay? You get a dog. You think everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be wonderful. Your friend had a dog. You've had a past dog. And this dog's going to be exactly like that. And it's not. You get a dog that's way too crazy for you. And you're trying to have a relaxed dog. Or you get a dog that doesn't do anything. And you needed a dog for competition. Whatever the layout is. You need to have a backup plan. Is there somebody that you know that could potentially want this dog? Is there somebody in your family who will connect with the dog and potentially want this dog? Can you bring the dog, unfortunately, back to the shelter if you need to? Or will the shelter work with you in order to find the right home for the dog and you can foster it for a short period of time? If you're buying a dog, what, what's the backup plan there? Can you take it back to the breeder? Some breeders demand that you bring the dog back. They don't want them out into the world with random people. They say, you don't want the dog anymore, you bring it right back to me. Sometimes it's for financial gain, and sometimes it's because they don't want just anybody having their dog. Because their dog could be bred and all all that kind of stuff. There's some logistics and politics involved in, in breeding of dogs. But what is your backup plan? doesn't even have to be getting rid of the dog. That's option number one, right? If you have problematic behaviors, that's option number one. Your backup plan could be, well, I have this trainer lined up. If I can't handle this, if I can't do it my own, then I'm going to hire this trainer. That's one of the benefits of Matador Canine and Matador University, the coaching that we have. I have online courses for individuals who want to do it on their own. I'm going to guide you through all of the training that you need. But then sometimes it's beneficial to have an expert guide you step-by-step, personally guide you. And that's where my coaching comes in handy. If you want to get started with the 14-day free trial of all of those online courses, matadorcanine.com slash 14-day trial. I'm going to put the link in the description for you. matadorcanine.com slash 14-day trial. You get access to the complete video and audio library of dog training content. What's your backup plan? What are you going to do? If your dog doesn't behave well, what are you going to do if your dog has aggressive issues? What are you going to do if they don't get along with your other dog? That's what you need to be thinking about. Now, if I were to bring a dog home today, there are certain things I have to think about. Number one, I have a cat. Number two, I have two male dogs. Number three, I have a three-year-old child. So the question is, This dog has to check off so many boxes. So that's first going to be my management. I'm going to write a list of everything my dog needs to check off. Number one, do I want them to be an older dog or do I want them to be a puppy? Do I want to go through the entire puppy phase? And there might be specific reasons as to why a professional dog trainer would do that. Or do I want an older dog where I can skip the puppy phase? There might be reasons for that. Now, if I have an older dog, the checklist is going to be different. The younger dog checklist is going to be different. The older dog, it might say, been exposed to children, at least this age to this age, three years old, must be exposed to a child that's three years old and younger, must be exposed to male dogs, must be used to living in a house with cats, right? And the other side, puppy, doesn't need to be necessarily used to children because it's a puppy, so I can teach it that, doesn't need to be used to dogs, I can teach it that, doesn't need to be used to cats, I can teach it that. So that's where your checklist might be different. For puppies, it might be, is this puppy excited? Is this puppy the right breed? Is this puppy have a lineage of excited ancestors, right? The breed line. Is it going to be a dog that does what I needed to do by the time I needed to do it, right? A dog could mature and become five years old and finally start to come out of their shell. But if I want to compete in the next two years and I get a puppy and I start training – then it better be ready by the next two years. And this is you know professional dog training thinking. Not everybody thinks like this. The average dog owner is not thinking like this. right? You're not thinking, okay, I'm going to get a dog, and in two years, they got to be perfect. This is just what the dog training industry thinks about. So if you're getting into that kind of world, understand that that is the reality. Some people get a dog, doesn't work out in the first two years, and they give the dog to somebody else. That's very common in the industry. But if I were to bring a dog home, Let's say I'm bringing a puppy home. I'm probably going to get a puppy that has medium to high level of energy. And I'm going to get a puppy because I can control every aspect of the training and I don't have to focus on fixing problematic behaviors first. Right? I don't have to worry about reactivity. I don't want to have to worry about uh, past experiences that the dog may have had that now I have to fix first and then start the training I want to start. If I was going to compete in agility, I would want a dog like a border collie. I would want a dog like a Jack Russell, something that's medium to small size, honestly, and medium to high level of energy. Smaller size, I already have two dogs. I don't want to have to get a new car just to have a third dog. Does that make sense? Can you see that? That is the management I'm talking about. You have to contribute. I'm sorry. You have to consider everything that's going on. The fact that my car really only holds... Both my dogs, my cat, and my son, and I can't put anything else in the car. I can't put a third dog in the car. And my son has to stay in a car seat, so that takes up an entire seat. All right, he can't sit in the front. That takes up an entire seat. Both kennels for the two other dogs takes up the other half of the car and the trunk. So until I get a new car, I cannot have a third dog. You might not have thought about that, but now I'm I'm glad I've mentioned it. Because that might be something that stops you from getting a dog. You have a sedan and you already have one dog. How could you possibly have a second dog? You might need an SUV. If I were to get an older dog, I'm going to look for, are they okay with kids? Have they hung out with other dogs? Do they have reactivity? I'm going to do a temperament test is what it's called, a temperament test. I want to find out everything I can possibly know about that dog before I commit to bringing them home. It just might not be the right dog for me. And then I'm going to go through my game plan. What's the goal? I might write an entire training plan day by day by day, completely laid out of what I'm going to do with this dog for the next two years. That might be what my next goal is. Right after I figure out all the management, okay, this dog is the right dog. This dog has the perfect temperament. They fit all my criteria. Now what's my game plan? And then I'm going to have a backup plan. Do I have professionals that I can call and say, hey, I got this dog a wonderful dog. It has a lot of energy. It's excited. It's motivated. It's just not working out for me in my home. Do you have a career that this dog could go into? And I have friends like that. Military dog, police dog owners, uh, detection dog trainers, people who want to do agility with their dog. So if I find a really hyper excited dog and for whatever reason it doesn't work out, the dog's not doing perfectly in the area I want to take it in. Right? Like Let's say I wanted to do agility. And this dog just isn't an agility dog. Its nose is glued to the ground. Sure, I could change and I could go into the detection route. But if that's not what I want to do, I can find somebody who will benefit from this dog being so motivated to sniff. That's my, that would be my backup plan. So there you go. That's the breakdown for you of what you should do when you're considering bringing a new dog into your home, whether it's a brand new dog, never had a dog before, or you're bringing a new dog into a house where you already have pets. If you're struggling with your dog's problematic behaviors, I want to give you a free PDF to solve all of that, matadorcanine.com slash resolving bad habits. I'm going to put the link in the description. It's a free PDF to help guide you through stopping your dog's problematic behaviors without having to use punishment in the fastest scientific way possible. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you, and I'll talk to you next time.